feel that sometimes your life or those of a loved one are complicated and out of control? You're not alone. Welcome to In the Ring with Mia, featuring five-time world and international boxing champion Mia St. John. Mia and her guests will share stories and invite open discussions about topics that need to be discussed. You'll be empowered to find help or be help. Now, here's your host, Mia St. John. Hello, welcome to In the Ring with Mia, and I am your host, Mia St. John. Well, you guys, we have a really exciting show for you today. Um, Lots of things to go over. Um, Also, we have a great guest that's coming on that I'm really excited about. It's Jillian Reeves, who's an actor and also a mental health advocate. So I'm really excited about that. So stay tuned for that. And also, if you want to call in with any questions that you might have, you can call 866-472-5788. And you can also email me if you want at blog at gmail.com. And you can always reach me on Twitter or Instagram. Um, I try to answer as many messages as I can. Um, but anyway, so... I want to just start with the recent shutdown, which has been so hard. I know on many of us, um, not just me, but uh, I get so many of your messages. I know it's been really difficult. Um, And I think that for the most part, like what's really been bothersome to me is just the back and forth. You know, like we were open again. I live in California, by the way, so... Um, we were open for a while and, oh my God, things were great. Like my Gold's gym, I work out at Gold's in Venice. And so Gold's was open again. And so I have this routine where every morning, like I have to work out, like I have to, because I, I've been very open about, you know, all the things that I suffer from, like, gosh, where do I start? Anxiety, um, panic disorder, um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, generalized anxiety disorder, um, substance abuse. I'm a recovering addict alcoholic. So, yeah. And, you know, for the most part, like, you know, it's not that I totally hate my anxiety because it's worked so well for me throughout my life in certain areas, like in my boxing career. I used my obsessiveness and my anxiety to um, empower me, I guess, because it it gave me like the sense of urgency. Like I had to succeed. I had to get things done. And so I've always been like very motivated. And, you know, the saying, um, what, what's that saying what can be done yesterday what can be done today oh whatever anyway whatever can be here's my saying whatever can be done today must be done yesterday because that's how I am it's like and it's the weirdest thing it's like I can never be late for anything that's and so that's where like my anxiety has worked for me right but there's so many other things about the anxiety that I don't like, and one of them is is change. So when change happens, I go into this like downward spiral. So that's what happened. Like 
with COVID was like all these changes. And um, I was working out every day. I was going to my meetings. And um, then we get the shutdown again. So all of a sudden, my gym is closed down. Throw me into a spiral. And um, most of our 12-step meetings are in churches. So when the churches get closed down, then so do the meetings. So that's what happened. So then I just went through this funk, like, I started getting like severe anxiety again. And for those of you who don't know what that feels like, it's, it's kind of like this extreme panic comes over you, this extreme fear for no reason. It just happens out of the blue and it's really scary. And for me, it's, it just lasts like all day long um, until I fall asleep. So there's, there's things that I have to do to get through my day. And one of them is, you know, I start my workout. I have to work out. And since gold clothes, like, of course, I still have to find a way to work out. So I do my road work, my cardio on the road, running. I usually run anywhere from three to five miles a day. And then I do my weightlifting. Um, and then I'll do my meditation and, um, get all my errands done and, you know, just things to keep. I don't want to say distract me because I hate that word. Cause I feel like distraction is just, it's just finding a way to get by, to get through the day, right. To pass time. And I don't like to do that because I think that time is every moment is like valuable, valuable and has to be savored. Right. So I don't just like to pass time, but sometimes like when you suffer from the anxiety that I suffer from, it's, it's so hard, like not to do that. Um, so anyway, I've been really working on that and I'm going to get a therapist, um, which I had one before COVID, but then COVID came and then of course that went down. So, but I know that all of you, a lot of you are suffering. So it's not just me. And then of course, like a lot of, work has been canceled or postponed. But the good news is that I did get my book published. We signed a deal with a publisher a couple weeks ago. Um, and the book's going to be out in um, 2021, which is really exciting. So that has been like really motivating for me and keeping me going. And um <clears throat> A lot of things, you know, I'm still working on the mental health reform. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today, too, is mental health, because especially if we've seen so much media coverage over the Kanye West thing. And I don't want to get too much into that because I'm waiting for our guests to come on. But I just think that the whole thing is so misunderstood and it's so sad um, mental illness is so misunderstood. And again, like I hate labeling these things, like I hate saying illness. Because if you think about it, like people who suffer from schizophrenia, bipolar, like Kanye West, um, they are such creative people, right? I mean, they have so many gifts. And kind of like my anxiety has given me gifts, enabled me to become a five-time world boxing champion. Um, their gifts have enabled them to be, you know, 
Academy Award winning actors or Grammy winners, you know, like Kanye West. So, and he even said that, um, you know, he doesn't like to take a lot of medication because it um, interferes with his, his artistry, with his creativity, um, which my son used to say that a lot. My son had schizophrenia and he was a, an artist, a brilliant artist. I mean, he had his work in the Laguna Gallery of Contemporary Art. And that's all he used to do is just paint all day. And he said that being on the meds really affected his creativity. So I get that. Like when I was fighting, I didn't want to take too many meds. I'd always lowered the dosage because if I was on too much, it made me too calm. And when you're fighting, when you're in the ring, like fighting for your life, like you really do need a lot of that, you know, fight or flight mechanism. And so I needed that. So I lowered my meds. So I completely understand that. And so, I don't know, it just makes me like so sad that um, it's... I feel like, like on the one hand, like I would never give up my medication because I need it, you know, to live from day to day. But then there are so many negative things about it. But I think that if we can find the right dosage and um, a happy medium that we can live, you know, I think that's the key. Um, and I don't like being anti meds um, or talking against meds because it's something that I advocate because I feel like if you need it, um, just like if you're a diabetic, you know, and you need insulin, like no one can tell you that you shouldn't be doing this. So I want those of you out there like to know that no one can tell you what you should or shouldn't do with your illness. Like, um, we know ourselves best, but sometimes like we are in a position where we don't know, right. Where um, we don't know what's best for us because the illness just takes over. And I myself have been hospitalized because I could not make those decisions. And so I think that we see that a lot with people who suffer from like severe bipolar or schizophrenia, a lot of them that can't make decisions for themselves because we're, we're lacking insight into the illness, right? We cannot see um, what's in front of us, like, right? We, we are so adamant that what we're thinking is, is truth. And, and sometimes our truth is is not true <laughs> like it's false these false beliefs right and our thoughts just kind of take over and that's the scary thing and that used to happen to my son a lot who suffered from schizophrenia you know he often thought he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia which is the most common type of schizophrenia and it's very scary because uh you can appear to be very normal um a lot of times you just you can just appear to be an asshole. But the truth is my son was never an asshole. He, he just was suffering from paranoid schizophrenia. So we always thought that people are out to get him and 
And so obviously, if you think someone's out to get you and trying to kill you, then you're going to be mean, right? Or you're going to be an ass, you know, very defensive. Um, so anyway, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't have that with my anxiety, but I do have like these false beliefs. Um, and that's, I think that's why like, it's so, these illnesses are so misunderstood, right? Because Pete, unless you've lived with it, unless you've lived with a family member or a friend um, that's had this and you've seen it firsthand, you really can't understand it. And I'd like, but I'd like to get more into that into um, when we have our guest and, and go into that because um, she's working actually on a film um, about these same issues that we're talking about. So let's take a break here from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. We'd like to thank you for listening to In the Ring with Mia. When not on set, she's busy helping the less fortunate through the Mia St. John Foundation. And now, Mia could use your help more than ever by visiting her at her website, miastjohnfoundation.org, and making a donation. You help create a safe place for those suffering from mental illness, homelessness, and addiction. So don't delay. Visit miastjohnfoundation.org today and help us make changes in the lives of those who need it the most. In my career as a professional boxer, I've knocked out many opponents in the ring. Now I need your help to knock out my toughest opponent yet, the stigma surrounding mental illness. I'm on a personal mission to help people understand that with the right kind of support, individuals with mental health conditions can live productive lives. And that's why I serve as a board member for Step Up, a national nonprofit organization headquartered in Santa Monica, California, that is helping save the lives of young adults and others with serious mental health conditions across the country. Step Up also works to end homelessness for this group of individuals. I urge you to go to their website at www.stepuponsecond.org and get involved in the fight today. Together, you and I can knock out stigma once and for all. Okay, so let me talk to you for a moment about my favorite cosmetic dentist, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin in Beverly Hills, because anyone that knows me knows how important my teeth are, especially having boxed for over 20 years. Have you ever wondered how your favorite stars have such flawless smiles? Have you ever seen a star with a noticeably fake smile? The difference between the two is the cosmetic dentist they chose. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin has been a dentist to the stars in the heart of Beverly Hills for the past 30 years. His patients are the elite of all industries and have a discerning eye for quality. So if you're looking for a Hollywood smile makeover that looks so natural you can keep it a secret, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin is the cosmetic dentist you should consult with. His experience as a pioneer in smile makeovers, along with him also being a professional sculptor, has made him a leader in creating beautiful smiles as well as all your dental needs from the simplest to the most complex. Please don't wait and visit DrLawrenceRifkin.com or call 310-273-0200. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to In the Ring with Mia. 
To reach Mia St. John or her guest on today's show, call in with questions or comments to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back in the ring. Welcome back to In the Ring with Mia, and I am your host, Mia St. John. And I was just talking about mental illness and how it's so misunderstood. And that's why I'm so excited. I have an awesome guest on today. Her name is Jillian Reeves, and she's an actor and also a mental health advocate. So I'm really excited to introduce Jillian to you. Jillian, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Mia. How are you? Hi. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. No, thank you for having me. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Okay. Um, okay. He asked me if I had yeah. a landline. I was like, oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulty. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. And I was actually just going over your bio and You've done a lot of stuff. Um, Grey's Anatomy, Masters of Sex, and Game of Silence, and, okay, CSI, and I saw this, and it kind of, like, jumped out at me, Young and the Restless. Yeah, yes, I did do Young and the Restless. Yeah, Um, so, you know, my ex-husband was on there for, like, 30 years. Did you guys ever meet? Uh, we did. We met there. And also, um, I used to see him at the gym all the time. Well, not did all the time because really? I don't go to the gym all the time. But but, but when I would go, <laughs> yes, I, I would see him there. And he's always just, just the sweetest, just the nicest person. Uh, there were a couple of people on that set that were just um, just salt of the earth. And he was certainly one of them. He really was. Yeah. And it's so funny you said you saw him at the gym because he was like, he was like me. He was like a gym fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> like I know because for me to see somebody at the gym, considering how little I would go, means they must be there all the time. Oh my god! So I was seeing the Sherman Oaks a bunch. <laughs> he was obsessed. So funny, but yes, yeah, so, I know. You know, Such a I, I mean, speaking of him and uh, all this uh, talk on the media about mental illness and Kanye West, you know, both of them. My ex also suffered from bipolar. And do mm-hmm. you agree that this has to be, mental illness has to be like the most misunderstood of illnesses, yeah, absolutely. right? Like absolutely. more so than Especially, diabetes, cancer, anything. Oh, for sure. And, and in fact, I think if people would could even like, understand in their minds to relate them in the same way that they are both real, <laughs> that they are both, you know, biological or chemical, that they right. both deserve the same respect and treatment. I think that alone, uh, if that would happen, we would be so much further than where we are. Well, and what uh, I understand absolutely. is I know that NAMI, the National Alliance and Mental Illness, they don't call it mental illness. They call it brain illnesses because the brain is mm-hmm. one of the most complex organs in our body. And it's an organ. I mean, so mm-hmm. to keep calling it like mental as if it's all in your head, 
right? As if it's right. not physical. Right. Like it's like it's separate from physical. Exactly. Right. Because you know, Which even if crazy. you it's look the at brain. Um, if you look at brain scans from someone, you know, early on in schizophrenia and like and like mm-hmm. you know post-mortem like there's significant brain shrinkage I I do I think maybe we need to think about it more like a but I feel like anything with the mind even a dementia people almost throw up their hands (laughs) like like it's sort of so complex and then the stigma around mental illness means that so many people don't speak up which is why I just uh, admire you so much for your voice and your continued voice on this issue, um, you're doing such a service to it because I think it's not going to be until people are willing to speak up that the politicians listen and make it any sort of priority. Right. Well, um, let's especially when you get to the more severe mental illnesses, like you know, they love to, they'll talk about depression, um, which is a serious which is a serious thing, especially when you go to clinical depression. Like they don't, you know, some anxiety they'll discuss, but they really, I feel, in general, even people who are um, passionate about health, being mental health advocates, I feel like they don't they don't go into the more uh, persistent severe mental illnesses as much. Right, they don't. And in fact, I mean, if you look at like the outbursts with Kanye West, if you yeah. looked at, a, if you know, if you go on Twitter or social media and you oh my see God, a lot I've of the I've been arguing comments. with people about Kanye West for like a week. Solid. I mean, I have just been arguing because it's triggering, you know, like. Right. Like people think the, people the are just. Ignorance. Yeah. And people are like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, can you believe he said that? And I'm like. Oh my God, like to those of us that have family members um, that suffer, like yeah. we're like, that's nothing. Like, are you nothing. kidding? Like, <laughs> it is literally like, if that's all. That's a normal day. Oh my gosh. It's literally, it's literally, I mean, it's hard, I'm sure, for their family. And it's unfortunate because he's in public eye. So I won't say it's literally nothing. But I'm just saying, if you look at it from the perspective of someone who right. is dealing with a persistent... No, no, no. You can go way worse. Way worse than that. Right. Way more concerning. <laughs> but, right. but, you know, I see, and especially in the black community, who really has a hard time wrapping our heads around mental illness for some yeah. reason. You know, well, it's natural black indigenous and people of color, mental health. Right. And well, it's, like for Latinos, it's, um, it's not, it's not recognized. I know in my culture, like we don't recognize mental illness. It's like, get off your ass and shape up and yeah, you know, yeah. lazy. And the, I know it was the, get lazy. You know, the, the, we're, very similar cultures, very similar cultures. I, I was married to a you know, we're like we have very, very similar cultures. Um, yeah. So yeah, and and it's it is it it is a lot of victim blaming, um, yes. and it is a lot of caregiver blaming. Whether it's moms or you know, we see it. Yeah, you know, I don't have a strong opinion on. <clears throat> You know, the Kardashians in general, I've not ever really watched their shows and stuff. But, you know, so I, I don't have any opinion on them personally, but to, like, demonize her for his mental illness is just yeah, an unacceptable just, thing. It's crazy. and It is. You know, I, it's interesting because, yeah, I, I've had a lot of, like, you know, my son um, had schizophrenia and 
so I dealt with parent shaming for like, you know, 20 something years um, before he, yeah. he finally passed. But Christoph and I both did. But um, it, it's interesting, you know, Lisa Presley's son just uh, died by suicide. Mm-hmm. And you can see that it's there's a lot of parent shaming with her too like oh gosh you must not have been Mm -hmm. you know a great parent which is so sad because you could be the world's greatest mother and but it it, it is really difficult for these kids to grow up in in families like this where you're expected to be your life is in the limelight and you're expected to be you know uh the role model you know and and it's It's not that way at all. People think that uh, that celebrities have like this cozy life that <laughs> you know, and everything yeah. is is perfect, and and that's not the case. And and I that's feel like and it's unfortunate. And I do hear that like a lot in the Midwest or the South. Kind of like they have real problems. You know what I mean? And the people yeah. out west <laughs> don't have yeah. real problems. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I, I think the humanity gets really lost. Like we are all humans. We all have human problems. And Hollywood is a difficult place because it's very difficult. You know, when you work in this industry, the level of rejection, the level of uncertainty, the level of uh, how long is this job going to last? Is it going to? Is it going to, you know, uh, support me for 10 years or 10 right. days? Like all of those things are out of your hands. Right. Um, well, and, and I think and that's I, not something appreciated in places who don't right. just don't understand the lifestyle. And I, I just don't think Hollywood really understands um, these disorders. Because I know, you know, Christoph had such a hard time uh, on Young and the Restless, especially during mm-hmm. the last weeks of his life, you know, they did not understand like what is like, I would have to drive him to the set and oh, personally yeah. like take him. Like it was so awful. And they were just like out of their minds, like, like what is wrong with him? Like what is going on? And um, like, they just had no understanding of what he was. And you would think about. here that supposedly, you know, open-minded or liberal that they would have no. but I just think I just think it's because it's people ignorance people are ignorant and then the people who go go through it because you know I you know I, I try to be very protective of people's privacy but <clears throat> I have a very close loved one who I went through the same thing with and um even when you try to explain it to people they don't they don't understand it and 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 I'm pretty open, so, you know, my friends would ask me, you know, h- h- how my loved one was, and, and I would say, well, this is what's happening, because, you know, I would just be pretty honest, um, because I don't have, thankfully, that guilt or shame or whatever that thing that so, you know, that per- so pervasive in mental illness. And what was so stunning to me is I, it, 97% of the people that I told what was happening had a story of an uncle or a brother or a son or, I mean, they all had stories. And I just thought, I I mean, people I've known for 10, 15 years who I never heard the story until I told my story. Um, And I thought, you know, I think it's so much more pervasive than we know, so much more common than we know, but people just don't want to talk about it. Right. Now you have a movie, um, 
coming out or is it out already? Uh, yeah, we're in, we're in post-production. <laughs> so I know it's been such a good time, time to educate for mental illness. I've been putting a few clips out, but, you know, COVID interrupted so many things. Right. But um, uh. I wrote and directed this movie in December that, um, you know, is that where I'm trying to show sort of exactly what you're talking about, like the difficulty um, in helping a person who doesn't want to be helped uh, with the mental illness, right. which is where Kanye is or so, so many right. others. And I think so many people think, well, oh, if it was that bad, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you could get them help. Like they'll say right. something so flippant and so triggering. <laughs> I'm like, but why are you sure you could get them help? Have you ever been in this situation? Have you ever done it? Have you ever tried? So why are you right. sure that you can get them help? So I just think we have to know there's a lot we don't know and be more open to listening to people's experiences. Um, right. And you, know, what, you know, what I think people should do, like this is my suggestion, is that I keep saying this, like why aren't we educating our kids and parents? Like why isn't Mental Health 101 in every single school curriculum all over the world right like right why aren't because like, I did not know the symptoms when I you know when I was watching this breakdown happen so many things people don't understand like people think of a breakdown is something that happens like a snap but um in in our case I saw the breakdown happen over like eight months and I had no idea what I was seeing you know um and is and, this, you know, they were school was this age, a, a relative Yes, very, very close relative. And, and uh-huh. I, 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 I don't mention who because, you know, there's not a lot of acceptance about the illness. There's, uh-huh. there's, a lot of, there's not a lot of acceptance about the illness. So I just try to be mindful of that. Right. Um, but, but it happened, you know, when they were in college, which is a very prime time. And, yes. you know, a lot of those kids are away from home. And, and so it's hard for a parent to know, like, what am I being like you think maybe it's a boy or maybe they're getting into drinking or right. you know you just so I think that education that you're talking about would be so valuable at least in, in high school when they're on their way to college when that's the prime time the 15 to 24 right. you know year range that is that that these conditions you know oftentimes um, right. show up so, I, but I think that they don't do it because people are so ashamed to talk about it. And then so, so there's not a push. So when HIV right. came out, there was a lot of shame and nobody was dealing with it. But then like the, the general public started getting HIV and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we got to do something about this. Right. And now, you know, you can live your regular life with HIV on, on these meds because I think there right. was enough outrage and, and support and money and interest. And well, so that's why I know I, there's I, enough people whose issue who has who have issues with mental health in their family to create the right. same amount of outrage and the same that's amount of interest, I, but we have to use our voices. Right. And that's why I think it's I don't want to say it's like great that Kanye West is like suffering from bipolar, but I feel like okay, if if we can look at that and use that as a way to educate others and help others that here's this, you know, big, huge superstar that has a serious mental illness. Right. Yeah. And if we and can. It's, and the, di- the difficult thing is they just 
don't want to believe you. <laughs> That's the, I don't know what kind of arguments you've been having. I'd love to hear. The arguments I've been having is, no, he really is sick. Like, he really is. Like, there's a real thing called bipolar disorder, and he right. has it. He's already, and I mean, no, that's not what's going on. His new album is dropping, and he's um, getting publicity. Right, right. Or okay, he's just can't. cocky, SOB. He's just a oh, narcissist. narcissist. Yeah, I've heard narcissist. that, too, exactly. that he's an asshole. Yeah, I hear that and, a lot. Yeah, and, you know, I heard that a lot, like, with my son, Um, He had paranoid schizophrenia, which, you know, they can appear very normal, but, you know, they always think Mm -hmm. someone's out to get them. And so they're always defensive and really like agitated. And so a lot of people just thought my my son was an asshole. And it's like, no, he's not an asshole. He's just he thinks you're trying to kill him like for real. Right. Um, Right. We were dealing with schizoaffective over here and it's very similar, except also super emotional, like too. Right. And you know what just drives me insane? Um, Because, you know, Christoph and I, like, I cannot tell you how many nights and days we spent on the hunt for our son because, you know, he would get so paranoid, he would off and run away from home. And so he was homeless a lot and we'd have signs up everywhere, you know, and the police were always called and people would be like, your son is homeless. Like, Oh my God. Like, why don't you give him a home? Or I'm like, do you really think that I would allow my baby boy to be homeless in a park somewhere or in downtown LA? Yeah. That that's our choice. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. It's so. They don't understand that a lot of the homeless, their families are looking for them. And yeah. And, it's interesting how we treat the homeless. And I thank God and I prayed every day that someone would have a heart for my son and, and not be cruel to him. But just look at all the homeless people that we see that on the streets, like talking to themselves and how people just pass. I mean, every day, every day on Ventura Ventura Boulevard every day. I cannot walk one mile without seeing like four or five people. And no one ever really? stops to see if they're okay or if they need anything, right? But if somebody had yeah, Alzheimer's and 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 it, it was your mother or whatever with Alzheimer's, because um, I had my best friend one time, her mother had Alzheimer's and she went running down the mm. street naked and um, everybody was all of a sudden, you know, there to help because it's Alzheimer's. Right. But if it's and schizophrenia, maybe it's like, something. oh my God, you're crazy. You know, you know that happened here on my block. Was it a week ago or maybe two? That was a naked man, except he had a knife. So we were like quarantined off, quarantined off, like my whole block, right, right off of Ventura. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the not getting treatment also contributes to, to the stigma. You know what I mean? Because because I do understand. But if there's a lack the of the, insight, yes, yeah, no, there is. Yeah. And then a lot of times, like when you do approach them, if they are paranoid, you know, that situation, I mean, like I've tried to give a homeless person food and they threw it at me because I don't know who they thought I was. You know what I mean? And so right. you, you always have to. Or they thought you were trying to poison them. Who knows? Yeah. I'm just, I got very angry, though. <laughs> so I do think you have to pick up the cues, um, you know, and. 
because there's nothing you're going to be able to reason with the person who's completely out of it. Sometimes I'll take, you know, toiletries or since this COVID thing, I've been mm-hmm. like, passing masks out sometimes, but you know, it could very well end up in the trash because you're talking about, like you said, the lack of even understanding that you're sick. Right. Because they don't understand. They have a lack of insight to their illness. And I've had that happen many times. I've been attacked by homeless people, but I never yeah. let that deter me. And, and I'm not saying that anyone should go out there and do that and risk their lives. But, but I don't mind because, and that's just me. That's me. That's not, I'm not saying that, like I said, anyone should do that. I'm just saying that's me because for me, I'd rather risk it and try to help someone because I I don't fear anything. I am fearless because mm-hmm. I've lost yeah. my child. So people say, well, what if yeah. you die? And I'm like, what if I die? So what? Then I go see my son and, and his father mm-hmm. and great, I'm good. But if I don't die, I'm good too because I get to stay here with my daughter. So either way, I'm good. Right. So and I think that if, that I, if I'm going to die, like if, your- if I'm going to die because I helped a homeless person, then God, then fine, good. Put that on my gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I think there's safe ways to do it. The last time I took, you know, I saw a guy who was crying. It just broke my heart. I, he was just crying, just like bawling. And I was so upset. So I came home and I made a little package with some, you know, I don't know, soup and wipes and all this stuff. And, and, um, and I just went back and I put it on the curb and then I said, hey, this is for you, you know, and he seemed super receptive and then he came up. So, I, you know, it's like I try to, I don't want to alarm them and make right. anything worse for them. Yes, um, that's true. You know, and if, yeah. Yeah, if you don't want to aggravate them. Yeah, because I, you know, certainly. What I've have seen, you seen? Even with my own experience, you know, I can see when people, when, when you know, um, when my loved one was agitated, there was very little you were going to be able to do to calm that down. Um, right. You just have to kind of feel your way through it, you know? And in making the movie, what's the name of the movie again? It's, it's called Broken. and it's um, Tell us you know, about think, that. And did well, you have I, any, any, did you have understanding with the cast and the production? Um, did I have an understanding with them in what did, way? Did they did they understand like the film and and mental illness and exactly what they were I, doing? I because- tried. Yeah, I I tried to make sure they understood, but you probably know that like unless you understand, you don't understand. <laughs> exactly. So so I I tried to again though several people will share that they had they were familiar with different things um, and from their own families, you know, with experiences, but it is extraordinarily hard to make anybody understand who doesn't understand. And so that was a little bit challenging because some things were not right, but we were on such a tight time schedule. Like, you know, there's, you know, of course, in the, when filmmaking is always going to be uh, something <laughs> that you're like, right. we, you know, we didn't, you know, we lost light here or whatever, but, but I really wanted to show, because 
I think Hollywood is also complicit, I think, in the stigma, right? The movies that Hollywood puts out about mental illness, uh, aside from a few, you know, like Silver Linings, I think, was a very compassionate look at bipolar. Yes. You know, A Beautiful Mind was a very compassionate look at schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. But historically, you know, with the psychos or the, you know, Michael, <laughs> you know, Halloween, they're like, you know, they really do a disservice, have done a disservice yeah. to, 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 to this illness. Um, so I feel like we've seen a lot of movies about people who, focusing on the people who have it, rightfully so. But I feel like mental illness affects so many. The family is so affected. The community is affected. Everything is affected. Yes. Uh, it, well, it is not an isolationist disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point is people don't realize that um, it just not, it not only affects the person who is ill, it affects the entire family. Oh, yeah. And the community, because now the police are getting called, you know, frequently. Right. Or in my case, um, my loved one loved to call the police. Like, <laughs> would often be the one, you know, somewhere doing something and just get super paranoid and call them like 15, right. you know, I mean, just over and over and over. Because you just never know how this thing is going to manifest. So right. um, it is affecting everybody. And it also, you know, just, I also, so one thing I really wanted to show was, um, how it affects generations of family, um, and then how difficult it is for people to get their loved ones help. Because like you said, yeah. a lot of those people on Skid Row do have families yes. who do love them, who yes. have no idea where they are. <laughs> and if, in, even if they knew where they were, could do nothing to help exactly. them. Exactly, exactly. And that is outrageous. And what I don't understand about this, this homeless thing that we, we deal with in L.A. County, um, which is huge, like our homeless population is huge. People are saying, well, you know, because I work with Department of Mental Health on their housing issue and, and they're working on all these programs like our plans to build new, like have new apartment buildings and, and places for them to live. And I'm like, we're not talking about. I, I feel like we're missing the point here. We're missing the yes. real issue is even if they yes. have housing, how exactly. do you get them in there? And how do you get them to stay? And how do you think they're going to follow yes. the rules? If exactly. They're not properly treated. And you see it. I mean, I read about, you know, they built some place downtown and put a bunch of homeless people in it. And, yes. you know, I was reading about this one couple who was out maybe three months later. You know, right. they were fighting oh, or something else. And it's I like, mean, of course, that's what's going to happen. Know, yeah. Do you know, I, I do think that, uh, like, people don't get it. Like, my son had access to housing if he didn't want to live with me or his dad, which he was very, yeah. you know, capable of. Of course, we, we wanted him with us. But, but if he didn't, we did have plenty of options for him by Department of Mental Health. Um, so, he, but... When you talk to a lot of these people, I work with the homeless who have mental illness at Step Up on Second, which is an organization for them. And they oftentimes tell me they just they don't want to feel um, like in jail, so to speak, like they have to be somewhere that they have to abide by the rules. They want to be free to do whatever they want. 
and mm. and and have that freedom. And that's how my son felt. Like he hated the homeless shelters, hated the the housing well, that he yeah. was placed in. Like he wanted well, to be on you know, his I own. Think my, his own. My, my, my loved one didn't mind the housing places, but it was, so it needed to be supported because anytime, like, you know, everybody, every situation is different. And so mine was very volatile. <clears throat> so it wasn't a particularly safe environment, you know, to be in the house, in the same house. Right. Um, um, and, and, and that's, supportive and that's, housing work. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was saying that's, oh. that's another point is that sometimes, you know, you cannot have them yeah. in the home. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you, I can, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know their situation at all, but as I look at the Kanye, Kim thing, like, in my experience, like the first breakdown, because nobody knows what's happening, the person who broke down that you help rehab, they, there's, they still retain a lot of themselves and they trust their family um, yeah. but sometimes, but like sometimes after they, you know, you, you, you know, you've, you've been the person to help them get into the hospital and they're on a hold, like you can often become the enemy. And I yes. do kind of wonder if that's not what's happening with that, with his, with the divorce talk and that, Oh, she's trying to lock me up. Cause they're good, like the people who, yeah, the people who try to help you when you're in that state, are become your enemy. And that's how the horrible cycle of mental illness, because they tend to isolate themselves because now they don't trust, they don't trust the people who are trying to look out for them. And so they keep getting a whole new crop of strangers that they can kind of, you know, right. I mean, Jillian, until they can't. After Christoph died, I went just absolutely out of my freaking mind. And yeah, um, my boyfriend had to 5150 me. And mm. I was so out of my mind. And this is my, I mean, my boyfriend that I just, you know, seven years that I lived with that I, and I love him to death. And I was in the hospital tweeting, help me, someone get me out. <laughs> and my asshole yeah. boyfriend like put me in here against my will. They're crazy. Right. Like not realizing that it was me that was, had lost my mind. You know, I didn't have that insight. Um, And now, you know, you know, this is, you know, a year later, I'm like, oh my God, thank God. Thank God he did that for me because I would have killed myself. Like, but I didn't see that then. And so, yeah, I can see that with Kanye now. He's like tweeting and saying this about. I'm telling you, I'm seeing the divorce stuff. I'm like, and I, and like, she's trying to get him committed again. He's going to start to see her as the enemy because I am definitely public enemy number one for my family member. You know what I mean? Right. Even like, you know, whenever I end up getting a call from the hospital, um, you know, and, and it's, you want to talk about difficult as a parent. It's like, yes. I was like, listen, you know, there's only going to be so much I can do. I was like, because I am a trigger. <laughs> like I know right. I am a trigger for this situation. Um, you know, so I can bring things, there's stuff I can do, but there's other things that are just not going to be possible. And then we try to work around. I'm like, maybe we can go through another family member or maybe we can do this. Um, right. Because it is a little bit irrational. And, and what are you, you going to do? Like, thankfully for you, you know, that episode passed for you and like you were able to like gain your insight. But imagine if like you had another breakdown six months in and then three months in. It's like getting right. back to that and insight I did, is super he, hard. 
Yeah. And he had to hospitalize me twice. And after the second one, you know, my outrage is like my accusing him of this and that, whatever he, after the second 5150, he just said, you know what? I need a break. I can't, I'm not equipped to deal Mm. with this. And I get it because I had to deal with it with my son. And it is so incredibly hard. It's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And this is really um, interesting. But when I 5150 to my son in the last month of his life, um, he, I went and got him out because he was begging me like, please, mom, come get me out. And I don't need to be here. And, And I was always like, you know, I would always, I was a marshmallow. So I, and Christoph was a hard ass. Mm. So I always, I went and got him out. And Christoph's like, you're always doing this helicopter mom. And you got to give him some tough love and let him stay in there. He's got to get sober. And so I said, oh, fuck. So I put him back in and then he took his life. And his dad was never able to accept that, that he was the one. No, Mia, look, I, 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 it's like you're damned I, if you do, damned um, if you don't. Yeah, and you know, I become so emotional literally every time I think about your story because, as someone whose um, loved one is 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 actively fighting, you 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 know, it's like you want to hold on to control. Like if we could only just you know, get some, get guardianship or have only just, you right. know, it has the, um, uh, what is it? Is it Emily's law? I'm blanking for a second, but, um, is it Emily's law? Who, the, the, the court ordered treatment. Oh, like only it's, there with, what's your name? Uh, well, law? now Laura's I'm, law. now I have a, a, it's Laura, Laura, Laura's blank. law. What the heck? Laura's law. Laura's law. Laura's law. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you know what? I think I got Emily's list and Laura's law. <laughs> yeah. <in> my brain. <laughs> one of those girls. Um, it's one of those girls. I, you know, but for me, you know, like, so that's why I rail against this broken system. That's the, my film being called broken. Cause I want to show people like, cause it's not this hard everywhere in every state. It's not this hard to get your loved one treatment. It's no wonder we have, the most homeless people of any state in in the country because in every state it is not so absurdly difficult to get your loved one help. So I rail against that. And I, you know, cause in my brain, I'm like, okay, this is going to fix the problem. And then I think about your story and you, you, you were able to do everything I would love to do. Yeah, I was able to, I mean, I fought long and hard, but I was able to get conservatorship. And I was able to force him into treatment, but um, yeah, it's just, it, and I just feel like, you know, I mean, I tried to tell Christoph that, look, we put him in the hospital. We took him out. He tried to take his life. I, we put him back in and he tried to take his life. And, and I tried to tell mm-hmm. him so many times that it was not his fault. Um, yeah. And he just could not, um, you know, he, he just couldn't deal with it. And, um, ultimately that led to him, um, taking his own life, you know, and, um, it's so very difficult, but, you know, I just, you know, and, and as a parent person with a loved one, who I'm not very good at, um, (laughs) at at, at, at not being super honest, (laughs) Right. 
as a person as a person with a loved one who has not experienced that it is a fear that you constantly live with when you don't know where your loved one is it is um, like you don't know like I get a number that calls from some California number I don't know your heart jumps like what it jumps either way yeah something crazy happening oh yeah is it the ER is it the you know my biggest um, fear that I lived with every day of my life was getting that phone call until yeah. that one day that I finally got that phone call and it was um, it just, I was beyond hysterical. And then to have to I know, I can't even imagine it. I can't even go, imagine it. It was, yeah. So I, I just feel for any family. And I know parents, you know, I'm, I'm doing this podcast now. So I've taught, uh, you know, I'm, yeah, we're I'm about to go on your to... podcast. <laughs> Tell us about yeah, that. <laughs> Tell um, us about your podcast. Yeah, so, I'm so um, you know, it's so like I said, it's it's Black Indigenous and People of Color Mental Health Month, and um, I've been involved with NAMI for a while, and that's kind of how I wrote the. So the film is is not autobiographical; it's just a dramatization of things I experienced, things I, I I basically you hear the same thing from almost every parent or child or brother or sister who has a person suffering from a severe or persistent mental illness. Same story. You know what I mean? Um, and so I just sort of took a lot of that and then dramatized it so people could kind of see what, what's happening. And, and, and as I saw the Kanye West stuff, you know, and, um, and just, I was really thinking like, we have to share our stories. Like I said, yes. when I just considered how everyone really almost everyone, I'm going to say like 99%, 97 to 99 had a real story. Either they had been committed or they were a guardian over, you know, somebody in their family who had a severe mental illness right. or they were estranged from a child. Um, and I right. just was like, what is this? What is this suffering in silence? Like this should right. not be this way. So, well, I'm so the podcast, happy that it's, I'm so happy to be on the podcast and I'm so happy you yes. came on the show to share your experience, yes. strength and hope. And, <laughs> and we have to leave now, but I will be back next week. And if you want to follow Jillian Reeves, uh, you're on Twitter and Instagram, right? Yeah. I'm the like only Jillian and uh, on, um, on Instagram and you can find everything else from there. <laughs> All right. And I'll see you guys next week and Jillian, I'll see you in a minute. That's right. And now I'm hearing the podcast with you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to In the Ring with Mia. Be sure to join host Mia St. John for the next show on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, you are one of the most important people in the world. 